3: The Larson family has been farming hay in Idaho for generations with a mission to always provide high quality hay products at a fair and reasonable price. Larson Hay loves to meet new customers while always honoring the ones they already have. Find Larson Hay on the web at larsonhay.com, like them on Facebook and definitely visit one of their locations. Larson Hay, Idaho's finest alfalfa, and our television broadcast sponsor. Thank you for joining us this week on the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa, here in the CEP Equine Studios in downtown Ocala, in the horse capital of the world. Where there is constant horsing around going on all the time. We can't even keep up with all the events. The Florida Horse Park just had an amazing eventing weekend. We also had the NCEA, uh, the National Collegiate Equestrian Association, here at WEC this weekend. There was also a massive horse sale. And there was also a great big Brazilian event with amazing Marchador and Claudia on board for those of you who follow me on social media. So it's always something horsing around going on here. Very exciting. If I have some puffy eyes today, other than allergies, I have a very good excuse because a very, very dear friend of mine, uh, Michael Crigolo, who is an amazing artist. If you those of you remember Pappy Land um, on PBS, he was the star of that um, but in my life, he's just a star because, one, he's an amazing friend um, to myself and the show. But um, the other reason is because he paints pictures of the animals I love and lost. And most of you that follow me know that I lost Dear Aries, uh vocal rescue this January. And I gave Michael a painting, a photograph rather, of her. Um, and he handed this to me. This afternoon I'm very glad Edward was here my son because I got a, uh, a really big hug and had a good cry so if you want to see my um, my reason for puffiness um, for those of you who knew Aries this is an absolutely amazing likeness of her and we're actually going to put Michael's um, phone number up on the screen here in just a moment um, because if you have an animal you love or an animal that you've lost I can't think of a guy who can do a nicer, uh, better job at um, painting a likeness of them, whether you want to just treasure it because you love the animal or if you lost the animal. um, All he needs is a photograph, and he is incredible. So this is Aries. I want to thank you, Michael. Michael's number is up on the screen, 352-789-0478, if you want to reach out to him, and he can do an incredible likeness of your animal as well. So thank you, Michael, very much. And Aries, thanks you too. It's beautiful. Um, we've got a few um, mentions, but some, um, some amazing news today. <laughs> uh, at the OBS sale here in Ocala, Amar Zidane, who was the owner of Medina Spirit, who um, raced under his colors in the Kentucky Derby and the Breeders' Cup, purchased a horse today at OBS. From Top Line Sales from the Gladwell family, congratulations to Jimbo and Tori on the sale of this Uncle Mo um, incredible horse for $2.3 million. Amar Zidane, go get it. We hope to see that horse winning some big races. There is um, Amar Zidane actually at the, is that the Preakness? I think it must be. Um, And uh, with Gail Rice there and Christy Whitman, who of course both, had a big hand in breeding and training Medina Spirit here in Elcala. Amaz Adan is a lovely man. Um, he actually acknowledged me at the Breeders' Cup, which was very nice, remembered my name, and um, he is a, a neat guy. He was there with Bob Baffert, and um, the actual underbidder was Coolmore, who owned Uncle Mo the stud. So I'm sure Coolmore wanted to get their hands on this amazing horse as well, but they were outbid. Um, by Amar Zidane. Now this horse will belong to him, and um, I believe it was a $250,000 yearling purchase that sold for $2.3 million at Ocala Breida Sales Day. I think the highest ever at Ocala Breida Sales was um, a horse that Bobby Dodd sold for $2.4 million. So I think it's just under the highest ever. Um, so pretty exciting stuff. Congratulations to Amar Zidane and we hope to see this horse go on and do great things. Don't forget May 8th at the Florida Horse Park. We are a media sponsor with the Florida Horse Park, and they are um, an absolutely incredible facility. They are going to be running an all-for-charity superhero 5K run for Rovera. The Rovera family are dealing with a medical concern and issue right now. All proceeds will directly benefit the Rovera family. There is a one-mile option as well. You must register. Um, It is from 9 to 12. Uh, noon on May the 8th and you can be there at 8 to register and it will be $25 a participant. Groups are welcome. If you would like to support the Rovira family from a distance, donations actually can be also just given um, and they will go directly and the information's on the screen there for you. Uh, equine initiative is this week presented by Pirana, of course, who are in their 50th year. This uh, event, April 21st, 2 p.m., is our normal equine initiative meeting for the CEP and also a Vanna 101. This is going to be at the Gypsy Gold Farm, and that is actually the number one thing to do in North Central Florida and the number 13 thing to do on TripAdvisor in the entire state of Florida, including all the Disney parks and everything. It's a real history lesson, a step back into learning about the gypsy world um, from the American, Dennis Thompson, who actually brought the very first 16 gypsy vanners to America and got them registered as a breed here and has been breeding them ever since, very successfully. He's got mule mums out there. Um, It's a really neat place to visit and quite an experience and a little bit of a history lesson, too. So you've got to check out that tour, but uh, if you're a CEP partner, you're going to come out and join us. And Maria from Midnight Rose will also be doing a demonstration on a horse so you can learn how to do a horse massage. Extreme Mustang Makeover is coming to Ocala at the Southeastern Livestock Pavilion. It's going to be at the end of the month. I'm sadly, well, I don't want to say sadly, gladly I'm going to be in Lexington. But I'm sadly going to miss this amazing event, being a Mustang owner myself. But Friday, April 29th and Saturday, April 30th, Gigi will be at this event getting some interviews and some footage so that we can share the Extreme Mustang Makeover with you, um, the show after we get back. And um, I know that'll be very exciting. These trainers have only had these Mustangs from the wild for 100 days, and you get to see them in action. And I think um, a, a really exciting event and a great way to show the versatility and truly how wonderful the Mustang horses are. So go get one, adopt one yourself. <laughs> because I feel like if we all adopted one for $25 or $75, we uh, wouldn't have so many in holding, which I think is, uh, is fantastic. For those of you that have been following the Michael Barrisone story, he was found not guilty of attempted murder by reason of insanity in the shooting of Lauren Kanarek, and not guilty of attempted murder of her boyfriend, Robert Goodwin. Um, this is a story I've been following for a long time. Um, he's actually been in prison since, I think, 2019 because COVID slowed down the the jury and the, the trial. Um, it took more than three days for a 12 member jury in Morris County, New Jersey to reach the conclusion. Barisone actually collapsed against his attorney as the verdict was read. Um, as I said, he's been in jail since his arrest on the day of the shooting. Pending medical clearance for admission, Barrisone will be civilly committed for a 30-day psychiatric examination in New Jersey, and the results of that examination will determine if he requires any further hospitalization or if he can be released into the community. Last thing I want to mention, Zippy Chippy, the racehorse famous for all the wrong reasons, bless him, has died in New York at the age of 31. Following 18 years of retirement from the track, he was known as horse racing's most lovable loser and was known for losing more races than winning. (laughs) Never managed to get his nose in front in 100 starts, bless him. Zippy chippy. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We've got Dr. Chaot talking about laminitis. We've got the one and only Martin Black for three segments to chat a little bit. And then tough part two, the foal that survived it all. And then we'll be closing out the show with you for this week. Hope you enjoy this next segment coming up with Dr. Adam Chaot. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show.
1: show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference.
0: Lipchip was built with integrity by horsemen for horsemen. Introducing the Chip Link System powered by Lipchip, where a 15-digit unique ID becomes a key to unlock not only identity, but also health paperwork, owner information, and even photos of each horse. So simple, even a child can do it. The future is here. The future is Lipchip. Enhance your horse's performance, fitness, strength, and rehabilitation with state-of-the-art equipment. ETI treadmills offer the finest European engineering, the highest quality filtration, and no chemicals are required. Follow Equine Therapy International on social media or at equinetherapyint.com. Equine Therapy International provides technologically advanced therapy for horses worldwide.
3: I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show and Equus Television here at Peterson Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care in Ocala, the horse capital. We have Dr. Adam Kayot here with us. And and throughout our interviews, laminitis pops up a lot because sometimes that is unfortunately the end result of a problem that a horse has. So I'm going to get Dr. Kayot to tell us what laminitis is. We saw a lot of fat ponies have it in England, you know, on lush grass. Yeah, it was quite types, common.
4: Two types of ponies, ones that have foundered and ones that will. That's, that's,
3: what it, <laughs> that's it. That's true.
4: Um, so laminitis. Laminitis is just a medical term of inflammation of the lamina. The lamina are these finger-like projections that um, hold the coffin bone or, or P3 in place in the hoof. So it attaches from the coffin bone to the hoof wall and they, they interlock and that is your lamina. Horses can get laminitis from any, basically any stressful event on their body. They can get laminitis from being really sick. They can get laminitis from overeating. They can get laminitis from overexertion. They can they can get laminitis from just about any stressful event. Luckily, that doesn't happen that way generally. Generally, there's some um, metabolic issue or something that 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 drags them to that to that point. We don't know the process that goes on physically in the horse to cause laminitis. We know things that will lead to it, but we don't understand the process even in 2022 of how it all happens, what, what reactions occur in the body that lead this horse to having laminitis. Certainly, we know different things that can can lead to it, but we don't understand why, which makes it very difficult to treat. That's why we don't have a good treatment for it. Um, you ask, I always tell people this, you ask 10 different veterinarians how to treat laminitis, you're gonna get 11 different answers. <laughs> and that's because there's not one good way to treat it. Um, um, so, it's basically inflammation in the lamina that causes discomfort, and that, that you know, uh, uh, it, to the horse, and they don't want to walk on their feet because their feet hurt.
3: And we know, no feet, no horse. That's no a feet, very no old expression because you've got over a thousand pounds at least with a horse True. on those little feet, yeah. and, and then you've got pain. Four of them, right. You
4: know, um, they certainly need four of them, and and when they can't bear their weight. Um, evenly and give give each leg a a break then you can have have problems but but certainly um when you see the the most common sign of a horse that has having a laminitic episode is one that's unwilling to walk unwilling to turn and when they when they do walk you might see them Uh, typically rock back onto their hind end and try to put more of their weight on their hind end because most of the time laminitis happens in the front feet it can happen in all four but most of the time it's just in the front because they carry most of their weight up there so um so that's what you'll typically see the 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 complaint i get is star didn't want to come in from the field or he walked really slow to get in from the field he didn't want to turn and and that's that's you know, uh, nine times out of 10, when I hear that, when I, I number one thing that pops into my mind is laminitis and, and that this horse is having a laminitic episode. And then on top of it, especially if star tends to be chubby and, you know, you have those problems and you have told the client, Hey, might want to take some pounds off. This is going <laughs> to hurt you down the line. Well, it's always time to pay the piper, so to speak. So,
3: so diet can be an important part okay. of, of the, uh, at least the, the therapy, the, the, the treatment, yep. the, the good the goal. Yes. The good yeah, the right. yeah. The prevention, so. right. Yeah.
4: The prevention, if you can, certainly, I mean, obviously, um, uh, we've talked about metabolic problems before on this program and, and that's, that's a, that's a big cause of, of laminitis. Um, so, you know, that sort of thing for sure. Um, it's uh, uh, w- when you, when you, when you, when your horse is sick, trying to minimize inflammation and those sorts of things, are, are, is always in the back of our mind as to um, is this going to lead to laminitis and founder. Once the laminitis gets so bad, I say the horse is foundered, that's when the lamina actually fail, so they die, and then um, the coffin bone then begins to rotate because you have flexor tendons on the back of the coffin bone that are always pulling against the coffin bone. That's why it rotates down like this. The lamina are not strong enough, not healthy enough to keep that coffin bone in place, and in the end, the end point of that, if it's not if it's not managed or, or able to be dealt with is a lot of times the coffin bone starts poking down through the bottom of the foot, which is extremely painful for the horse and basically unmanageable at that point. Um, so we try to prevent that from happening. Like I said earlier, you ask 10 different vets, you're going to get 11 different answers on how to treat this sort of thing. I try to re- get really aggressive about the inflammation and try to get the inflammation out. If you get the inflammation out, blood flow can come to the area. So I'm really aggressive with anti-inflammatories, bute, banamine, um, soaking the feet in ice water. Um, y- horses can stand in ice water for a long, long time. The physiology um, proves that they can, they can, they can do that. They can handle it. They don't get frostbite on their feet for whatever reason. They can stand in snow, all you know forever and you don't have to worry about getting frostbite now they get frostbite that's an interesting horse fact yeah right (laughs) they can stand in the snow and and they don't have to worry about so you can you can keep them in in um, ice water for a long time and that's one of the main things that helps with that um so that's what i tell my my clients that have it
3: ice boots ice boots anything
4: anything to anything to get ice up around their foot and 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 keep that there would help um I minimize walking, so I I tell the person to um, put the horse in the stall, bed the stall as deeply as you can so you can get, um, get good support on the bottom of the foot. Sand actually is really one of the best things to do, actually, because it fills up the bottom of the foot very nicely, uh, which we have a lot of around here. <laughs> we do. So that helps. Um, but if you can't get sand, just a, a nice, nice thick bedding um, to help support the foot. I don't generally jump on magic, you know, shoeing or anything like that initially uh, until we start getting some rotation and it becomes more of a chronic issue. Then I'll. Um, you know, resort to some therapeutic shoeing and that sort of thing. But, um, I I try to jump on the inflammation. If you get that taken care of a lot of times I've had a lot of success with that. Certainly, um, in 20 years, I've, I've had some losses too, but, um, for the most part, I've had decent outcomes by doing that. and, And that's what I try to do. And, but prevention, if you can prevent it, especially in the, in the chunkier, easier keeper horses, um, that, that saves a lot of heartbreak and you know
3: so a lot like people if we avoid the weight we avoid a lot of the concerns uh everything from arthritis to laminitis or anything obviously the lighter the horse or pony the the better which is why ponies are predisposed to it so much because they tend to get plumped so easily
4: Yeah. yeah their ponies are meant to you know live on scrub grass and and you know nothing nothing else really but we love them and we give them <laughs> treats and you know they're so cute they and stuff. You. You and know? When they're
2: pudgy, they're cute. Yeah,
4: it's not, exactly. good for their it's not good for their, not their health. For their no, health.
2: No.
3: So when the coffin bone actually rotates and starts to push down, there isn't a lot that can be done. Is that right? And then and, and the outcome is not good, right?
4: No, are not a whole lot. I mean, you know, you'll 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 hear. Um, You'll hear instances where you know some veterinarians have gotten aggressive and cut the tendons to help prevent that. I personally have not had great luck with that. Um, those horses, I think, tend to be pretty pretty painful after that happens and i haven't had very good success with that um there's a lot of stuff out there on laminitis if you start looking and and um, catching
3: I, it early correcting the problem getting the veterinarian out there and getting rid of that inflammation is key to success that was the wrap-up sign so we got to go but uh, that was laminitis with dr adam Kayot at peterson smith equine hospital and complete care louisa barton for the
1: horse talk show Thank you to our presenting sponsor,
3: Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care, and Larson Hay, our broadcast and television sponsor, plus supporting sponsors, DAC Vitamins and Minerals, Seminole Feed Stores, Piranha, TT Distributors, and the Hilton Garden Inn, downtown Louisville.
0: Mm, Horses, (laughs) Piranha. Oh, no, all the humanity.
1: Oh, Piranha.
3: Lisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show and Equus Television here at the home have very good friends of ours, Jackie and Nick Demeric And the first time I had ever honestly heard the name Martin Black was from Jackie Demeric some time ago when she said everything she does with her brilliant thoroughbreds who make it into the top races every year, Martin Black was who she learned from. That was where the foundation that she uses comes from and uses on all of her very successful horses when she starts them in the round pen. And then, of course, they go on to Nick. And it's a real honor to be here at their home today and to have a chance to talk to a rancher. That's the label that we're going to give him, a rancher, Martin Black, who also happens to do some phenomenal clinics and has some incredible books. So he's an author too. But I'm sitting here with him and we're going to chat a little bit about kind of how it all began. And it begins uh, a long, long, long time ago, uh, generations back in his family on both his mother and father's side, horses and ranching and cattle were kind of always part of their life. So Martin grew up with that and um, has has continued to evolve um, throughout a number of different changes and become very, very successful. And given people like Jackie and Nick and so many others a wonderful way to start horses. Martin, it's lovely to be here with you. Um, tell us a little bit about your family to start with. Both sides of your family have been around horses and cattle and ranching for, for a le- very long time.
5: Well, they were... Both basically uh, pioneer families in Idaho in the very early days. They were uh, came to Idaho decades before it was a state and it was a territory. And uh, uh, we we was in a part of the country that wasn't uh, watered very well. It was a desert country. And so it was mostly sheep and horses, and we never had anything to do with sheep. Uh, but they were were mainly horses. My uh, paternal side was horses pretty much, uh, but a large percent until after the Second World War. And my maternal side was kind of equal numbers of cattle and horse. They they sold a lot of beef to the mines and, and whatnot. And, and uh, so horses have been there from the very start. That's how they made their living, uh, raising horses. And most of them that they marketed were started horses or horses that had been had minimal amount of handling. So they weren't just breeders. They you know put a, whatever level of training on their horses and usually it was minimal amount of training. Uh and then and then sold them. They had shipped train loads of horses uh back to the Midwest when they'd have a virus or something and you know there might be thousands of horses you know annihilated by a virus and created a big void. So um you know it might be you know, one year, you know, uh, one year and five, or it might be, you know, two years in a row, but uh, so they might go years without selling practically anything. Then all of a sudden they, they're stripping the range and selling everything they can get their hands on and get started. So, And they, they would trail horses around northern Nevada to sell the big ranches, kind of like a used uh, kind of a door-to-door salesman kind of a thing. And when I was young and, and went to work on the ranches in Nevada, some of the old guys remember my great granddad and my granddad trailing horses through there doing, doing that. I mean, that's where I get the stories of it. Not so much from the family. So yeah, you know, raising and, and breaking horses, training horses has been there for yeah five generations. I'm the fifth generation on both sides.
3: Wow. So it just came naturally, literally born in the saddle.
5: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I kind of chuckle to myself when I, hear people say, you know, they was however many years old when they got their first horse. You know, it's like, I don't remember when I started walking. I don't remember when I rode my first horse. And, you know, I look around, uh, you know, at the family and, you know, hear mom's carrying a kid on the saddle in front of her when the kids are in diapers. So I, I guess that's probably what it was with me. And I mean, that was normal. That wasn't, you know, anything unusual. And, you know, my kids, they're they're, kids ride and you know as soon as they're three years old they're got their horse and they're following along you know they, you lead them for the first summer and the next summer you turn them loose and the horse just kind of follows you and you know by the third summer they're getting around the cows themselves you know and here they are four or five years old so it's just yeah you grow up doing that and you think it's normal you know you don't know you don't know any different, so. yeah.
3: so when you see people like Nick and Jackie Demerick who are kind of icons here in the Ocala Marin County area and, and beyond um across the country and, and the world in racing, um, for the start, the wonderful start that they give racehorses. One of the things I've always commented on is how young um racehorses are done with their career. You know, you're a hunter jumper and your horse is twelve and it's considered young, but in racing uh, you know, majority of them, if they're super famous, like so many of their graduates, they're going to go to the breeding shed very young. Maybe they go to six or seven, then they need another career afterwards. And don't you think the foundation of those horses is so important, not only so they can be successful in racing, so that they can indeed go on and perhaps have a second career? And not have to learn all of that at six and seven. Have that in the foundation and the grounding and and the ground before you're even on the horse. So important. Uh, it must be um, wonderful for you, uh, hearing that Jackie gives you so much credit for the methods that she uses and and seeing their success.
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't dwell too much on you know the pat on the back I might get from her, but uh, it is exciting for me to see her or other. People that maybe I kind of kept them out of a little bit of trouble, or give them a little better direction than <laughs> they might have found it sooner or later anyway. But it's it's kind of gratifying to me to to see them be successful and know that maybe I had something to do with that. I'm not going to take full credit for it because they got to learn on their own anyway. But if I could keep them out of a little trouble and put them on a better path, well, you know, yeah, that's that's gratifying to me. Uh, as far as the foundation on these horses, uh, you know, it's it's if they got good information going in, uh, they got a lot better chance for success. I put a lot of uh, importance on first impressions. You got one chance to make a first impression, you know. So if this horse gets scared and he gets troubled and he has a bad experience, that's his first uh, experience with the saddle, with the human, with the bridle, with the whatever it is, the starting gate, it doesn't matter. If that's his first experience, and, you know, he, he's a hes a prey animal. They think different than we do. And you know, we think, oh, he should be able to reason through that. They don't reason the way we do. You know, so if they feel trapped in the starting gate and they have a bad experience, that can be traumatic. That can be a PTSD-type experience for him. And then, you know, how do we, you know, you don't get a chance to do that again. That's the first impression. There's only one chance for that, so I put a lot of lot of importance, a lot of priority on the first impressions, the first saddling, the first first few laps around the round trail. You know, I mean, everything that we do, that first impression. I really pay attention to what kind of experience they're getting out of it. So, if the first impressions uh, we give them uh, all go good, that is huge to their foundation. Now, if we can kind of give them you know another 10 days another couple of months uh you know the more the better but it's not like we can just stay stagnant and do the same thing every day we need to keep stacking the blocks and you know and, and kind of work our way up and they got a terrific program here you know I enjoy coming down I, I came down the other morning just just to see their horses on the track and you know they're beautiful their minds are good going coming to the track they're good on the track they're good you know coming off the track, you know, and it's just, it's really gratifying to see that. Not that I have anything to do with their program now.
3: Hold that thought, Martin. (laughs) Uh, We got the one minute sign from Gigi, so we just have to go to break, but we'll be right back on the Horse Talk Show. Stay with us. Current equine microchips can migrate by up to 30%, causing difficulty when scanning. With over 70 years of collective horse industry experience, Lipchip offers a new, more effective method of microchipping, partnering with veterinarians and technology experts to ensure humane and practical microchipping. Lipchip was built by horsemen for horsemen. Nowadays, the performance horse industry is in need of both integrity and transparency. Lipchip is the future of horse microchipping, with cutting-edge technology functional for every discipline. Find Lipchip on social media and for more information, LipchipLLC.com. The future is here. The future is Lipchip.
1: This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC it makes a world of difference
3: The Larson family has been farming hay in Idaho for generations with a mission to always provide high quality hay products at a fair and reasonable price. Larson Hay loves to meet new customers while always honoring the ones they already have. Find Larson Hay on the web at larsonhay.com, like them on Facebook and definitely visit one of their locations. Larson Hay, Idaho's finest alfalfa, and our television broadcast sponsor.
0: Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. Have you ever heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. With your host, Louisa
1: Barton!
6: What does it feel like to be in love with a horse?
1: Presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Back in the saddle again. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton! You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of alright,
2: yes! (laughs) Yeah, baby! (laughs)
3: back on the horse talk show and we are here with top horseman and rancher, Martin Black. We're excited to meet him here at Jackie and Nick Demerick's house this evening and have a chance to chat to him a little bit about what he does with horses. We've been talking a little background on him, his family, um, a little bit about Jackie and Nick's success, putting a foundation on a horse and the importance of that. I want to switch it up a little bit now and talk to Martin about his clinics. And Martin, when you do, um, A clinic or you're a clinician and you were in that role. um, What would differ if I was to come to your clinic over maybe the majority of the other clinics that are out there?
5: Well, it depends on who you went to, I guess. Uh, And I, there's a lot of clinicians out there that I'm not that familiar with what they do. I don't follow them on the internet. Uh, I don't go to that many clinics and look over the fence. Uh, There's a few of my friends that are clinicians and you know, I might try to go, go visit them, you know, and catch up with them when they're in town or or, or, or we cross paths on the road or something like that. Uh, so, you know, some of them, uh, my friends that are clinicians, we go back into the ranching days. You know, we worked on the ranches, you know, as young, young cowboys. And so, you know, they come from a real similar background, some of the same mentors. Uh, you know, just a lot of the same experience. So, uh, you know, the teaching part of it, you know, we all kind of had to learn to do our own thing there. It's not like we went to the same university to learn how to teach first grade or anything like that. So we've kind of developed different things there. Uh, maybe, but I would say that, you know, there's a, there's not even a handful of, of guys that I put in that category, but I think our teaching is somewhat similar there. Uh you know, and then there's the rest of them, <laughs> you know, and I don't know where they came from and I, I don't mean to say that we got it figured out and they don't because a lot of them are making more money than I am. That's not what it's, you know, that's not what it's about, but, uh, but we all got our own own methods and I'm less familiar with what a lot of the other big, big name clinicians are, are actually doing. Cause like I say, I don't follow them on the internet and I just, I just do my own thing. so. But what I'm trying to do is, is just like with my colt starting and, and whatnot, it's very important for me to, you know, for the horse to have a good experience. And if there's any way possible, I try to make it a good experience for the people. In other words, I don't push them to where they're uncomfortable. Well, I should take that back. They might get uncomfortable to start with. I'm sure that there's a plenty of them will tell you I push them out of their comfort zone. But that's the way I school horses. There's no learning in the comfort zone, and there's no comfort in the learning zone. So we got to get out of that if we're going to do anything different. Otherwise, we just, we're just we stagnant. We stay right there. We never leave the shade tree, you know. But you, you got to get out of the shade tree to go find something else. So I will push my, my uh, clients, my, my participants, you know, to a level. But it's like I have confidence they can stay safe. Their horse can stay safe. And they will have a learning experience and they might be holding their breath. They might even cry. But at the end of the clinic, they're better off for it.
3: So what's one of the biggest challenges you've had? Have you had a uh, a very difficult horse? Have you ever come across one that's really thrown a challenge at you?
5: Well, there's always that horse that took more work. Uh, but as far as the horse, I didn't know what to do with. No, I, I didn't have to you know, get to a point that I don't know what to do with this horse and, you know, i got to go find somebody else, you know, to fix it or nothing like that Uh, because, you know, I've just growing up, I've seen a lot of different methods, you know, and, and by the time, you know, I've left home, you know, I could get it done one way or another. It might not be pretty and I might not be proud of it, but we'd get out there and get back at the end of the day somehow. So that same kind of philosophy and it, it you know, it wasn't an option to say I quit or to say I can't. That wasn't in the vocabulary. You you're gonna do something. You better make it work. You might break things and tear things up and you know, have to fix them later, but at least you tried and you got something done. So that's that's just how I was raised. So, you know, it wasn't like, you know, there, there there's no I can't do this and you know, I need to go solicit help, you know, and I, I I get help a lot. I mean, that's one reason why I like to come down to Florida. I kind of have a mentor down here. But I come down here for better information, for for you know more information, not because I can't make something work or I'm not getting along where I'm at, but I want to grow and I want to learn. You know. I'm,
3: so on that topic, tell us a couple of your mentors, a couple of people you've learned a lot from. I really
5: don't like name dropping. <laughs> uh, I'll say this, though. You know, I've been asked uh, who my three most important mentors are. And I've responded with these three names. And they're like, well, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and -and so-and-so? I said, you know, yes, I learned a lot from them. But as human beings... You know, they either wasn't good to their family, or they wasn't good to people. You know, other their morale. It's not just about the horsemanship. And the three people that that I, you know, put at the top of the list. And of course, everybody would expect Tom Dorns. Mm-hmm. That's a big name, uh, but another name that is lesser known is Gene Lewis, mm-hmm. and he's uh, my mother's first cousin. He was raised on the family ranch, and. Came to California and, and in the jumping horse world uh, in the 50s and 60s, 70s even, he was a big name. A lot of horses went to the Olympics that he trained and of different countries he had. When I was working for him in the 70s, he had four different countries mind horses to go to the Olympics that he trained. Wow. United States, Japan, Mexico, and Canada. Uh, so, you know, I mean, for a little ranch cowboy from Idaho, he he made a splash in the jumping horse world. <laughs> Uh, and the other one is is uh, my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, uh, and he was one of the top horsemen in that area. But he was really uh, influential to a lot of people in the in the northwest and the Great Basin area. The thing that the three of them had in common, you never heard him criticize anybody. They would not. You just couldn't. You could. They could be in a room of, in the bunkhouse with people criticizing people. They wouldn't chime in on it. Hello. But they've seen the good in every horse. They've seen the good in every person. And there's some other mentors that I can say i learned a lot about horses. But as a human being, they, they, they weren't in the top three.
3: So what about um, top of your bucket list to accomplish you've accomplished so much? You've um, written books, many clinics, taught a lot of horses, colt starting, a lot of success. So what's next?
5: <laughs> my goal, pretty much my whole life, was just to you know have a little ranch somewhere, a little dream ranch, and you know be financially secure uh, and just live out my life with you know, family and friends. And I'm getting closer to that. I, I have the ranch that my uncle had, the one that I just spoke of. And it is a dream place. I dreamed of that from the time I was a kid. And, uh, so I'm on that ranch now and I'm cutting back on clinics and people coming to me more than like this COVID thing was just, that was great for me because I was trying to figure out how to get away from all the international travel. (laughs) They shut the door. I didn't have to quit. (laughs) I couldn't go anymore. So that was good, Uh, you know, so I've had to do some creative thinking and try to, you know, redirect the business in a different way. And I'm doing more stuff on the internet, which I can do at home on the ranch. Uh, You know, people coming to me instead of me going to them. that
3: thought, Martin? We're going to do one more segment with Martin Black. I've got a few more questions for him. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. We'll be right back. Thank you to our presenting sponsors of this half of the show, Palm Chevrolet and Larson Hay. Also, thank you to our supporting sponsors, Equine Therapy International, Nirvana Medical Spa, Equine Performance in Innovative Centre and Summit Joint Performance.
1: This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy. Find new roads.
3: Nirvana, Ocala's premier medical spa, is leading the way in great skin with all the newest in treatment options, offering prejuvenation for younger clients and rejuvenation for all ages. Nirvana knows you want to look your very best, but we've all seen people with the telltale signs of too much work. We want you to look like you, just better, brighter and younger, with all the newest and best in technology, and all in the most beautiful surroundings. Like Nirvana Medical Spa on Facebook and find them on the web at nirvanamedicalspa.com. Become a better, brighter and younger you. Piranha, your trusted leader in insect control for 50 years. The official fly spray for World Equestrian Center. From the strongest water-based equine spray in the blue bottle, to the familiar and long-time favorite in the yellow bottle. Wipe and spray, we've got you covered. If you're looking for effective plant-based fly spray, then look for our zero bite in the green bottle. Check us out online at piranhainc.com. That's P-Y-R-A-N-H-A, PiranhaInc.com, to learn more about Piranha's entire family of products. Piranha, it works. My name is Dr. Natalie Solomon. I formulated Equigreen with cutting edge science and technology alongside the passion that is represented by a lifelong love of horses. I created a product that I would trust for my horses because they deserve nothing but
4: the best for their bodies. Horses rely on us to take care of them, to love them, to respect them. This is how Equigreen came to life.
3: Equigreen, CBD for your horse that you can trust. Hi,
2: this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show.
3: Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show and Equus Television on all smart TV networks here at the home of good friends of ours, Jackie and Nick Demerick, And have the wonderful, wonderful honor of being here with rancher Martin Black, who uh, does some clinics, written some books, had some great success um, with starting colts, and um, is the foundation that Jackie Demerick uses to start her thoroughbred babies that always make it to the top and the best of the best in horse racing. And that kind of brings me to a topic I'd really like to ask you about. You wear a cowboy hat and boots, um, you're a rancher, you grew up out west and, and learned the, the cowboy way of life around the cows. But there are people in thoroughbred racing that are using your teachings for the foundation to start racehorses. And I'm quite sure there's people in the hunter jumper world, like your cousin that uh, prepared horses for the Olympics in a variety of different disciplines. And one of the things that I talked to the people in Aiken, South Carolina about is that they couldn't get their multidiscipline community to get along with one another. And one thing we have here in Ocala, which is wonderful, is all of our disciplines, they get together, they mingle, they meet, they use methods from each other and learn from each other. Can you talk a little bit about how a horse is a horse and how important it is that they have a good basis and a good start? And It really doesn't matter what discipline that horse ends up in. It's really a horse is a horse, right?
5: Yeah, you're correct. Um uh- so it's hard for a lot of humans to see from a horse's perspective because our brains function different. You know, we're the predator, they're the prey animal. And so that's one thing for years, and, and this is something Tom Dorn's, you know, kind of put me on to, is we got to see it from their perspective. Well, handling cattle is the same way. You know, and I had, you know, probably in the millions of cattle that I've handled, and the hundreds of thousands of horses that I've handled, I'm not saying I threw a leg over every one of them, but I've interacted with them. And these cattle, I've interacted with them. And so it's kind of goes back to that first impression, you know. Well, what kind of impression did I make on them? Well, you can go out in the field with a foal, let's say. And you can scare him and he runs to the other end. Or you can go out there and you can kind of get his attention and he kind of puts his ears up. And pretty quick he's coming over to check you out. Totally different parts of the brain functioning there. So it goes back to that first impression. Uh, So this horse, he doesn't care if you got a hard hat on or a black cowboy hat on or a ball cap on. It's your demeanor. It's how you approach him. Uh, He doesn't care if you put a western saddle on, an exercise saddle, or a dressage saddle. It's how you approach him with it, you know how how it feels to him, the impressions you give him, and you get on. He doesn't care if you have big Western spurs or a, you know, riding crop or something. It's they they have a totally different judging system than the people we're talking about, right? You know, what I mean, I won't I won't mention disciplines, but there's disciplines that look down on cowboys, <laughs> and not that all cowboys you know, deserve, you know, a lot of respect. I mean, but what's a cowboy? I mean, truck drivers and country Western singers. And I mean, that's
3: TV, radio hosts. <laughs> <TV, laughs>
5: I mean, what is it? And that's why I don't even like to get into labels, you know, when you say, or, you, you know, what, what do we label you? Well, just label me a rancher. I've been, you know, I can't deny that, but I don't know that I want to be compared to all the horse trainers, clinicians and whatever, you know, I mean, that, you know, a lot of them might have a black eye and, I don't want to be input in that category. So but you know we gotta we gotta put some label on, so that's just the most under the radar label is rancher. That's people kind of go, what does that mean? you know
3: <laughs> That means you have lifelong experience and good work ethic.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. So anyway, you know I mean, to me, I have no prejudice of breed or discipline or anything else. You know, I'm down here working with I mean, years ago I was down here working with racehorses. I've worked with jumping horses, I've worked with all kinds of rodeo horses, ranch horses, show horses, different breeds, driving horses, draft horses. It doesn't matter. They that first impression is important to all of them and they don't you know, there's <laughs> there's no prejudice there's no racism. There's no no nothing. It's totally the impression you give them. So, you know, it's you know, I mean it's People judge you the same way, you know, but but we have our prejudice, you know, because they've had experience with this person that wears a cowboy hat or has this color skin or whatever. You know, people are way quicker to develop prejudice than, than horses. This
3: is true. This question might throw you.
5: Yeah. Hi.
3: Have you ever worked with a donkey? Because if you have, I've got one for you. A donkey.
5: A donkey. <laughs> no, I've, I've worked with donkeys, mules. More with mules, and I really have fun with mules. i got a pair of mules uh, that I own. Yeah. Good,
3: because I have a naughty donkey for you.
5: A naughty donkey. Yes. <laughs> a lot of donkeys can be naughty. Yeah. It, you know, and then like mules and, and uh, donkeys, they just think a little bit different. And if somebody's smart enough to know how to get around a horse, they got to be even smarter to get around mules. Mules will teach you what you don't know about horses
3: so true how about a funny story have you got a funny story for us
5: oh geez kind of blindsided me there a lot of my funny stories i couldn't tell to the public oh yes you can is this a family show (laughs) not right now Uh, anything
3: happened to you on an adventure
5: the, the problem is the cowboy sense of humor is a little out there and, you know, a little crude and primitive for what most of the public is, you know, susceptible to. So. Probably
3: a little like the British humor.
5: I don't, I'm not familiar <laughs> with the British humor, so.
3: <laughs> Nick can tell you a little about that, I'm sure.
5: <laughs> when somebody gets bucked off, we laugh. And we might laugh till we have tears in our eyes, depending on how big a wreck it was. But. We finally get done laughing, and then we ride over there to see if they're still breathing or if they're conscious. And, of course, if they got back up, we just keep laughing and catch their horse and bring it back to them and everything. And, okay, so I'll tell you a story. So one of the first clinics that I went to with Gene Lewis, okay, so he's my, my mother's first cousin. They hadn't seen each other for however many years. And Gene is giving a clinic for one of the wealthiest families in Idaho's wife and granddaughters in their own private, heated indoor arena in Boise. Uh, So my dad was telling Gene about this horse, this big 163 hand, turbid, three-year-old colt that I was riding. And he was kind of special, you know, really learned fast and pretty typey horse. and, And would Gene be interested in him as a jumper? Well, he said, load him up and bring him over. So we threw this horse in the back of this pickup with stock racks on, hauled him over there in the winter, and jumped him out on the icy uh, driveway. And anyway, I rode him in there, and I'm riding around with my stock saddle on. And here's all these, you know, very wealthy family and their girlfriends, the grandkids' girlfriends, you know, six, eight girls. And this gal comes around there to come to a jump, and this is a very familiar picture in the jumping world. Comes up there, just slams the brakes on, refuses to jump. I don't know that I'd ever seen anybody actually jump at that point in my life. I was like 14 years old. And this gal comes off this horse, thumbs hook the bridle, takes the bridle with her, and comes off and a leg on each side of the jump, and she's straddling the jump, and her toes are about six inches from touching the ground. Well, this warped cowboy sense of humor, I just busted out. That was one of the funniest things. And nobody else laughed. <laughs> so,
3: I'd have been right there with you.
5: <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm the odd man. I mean, this is a, you know, pretty, pretty important people in this barn. And here's this idiot over here with a black hat on, just He's busting lovely. the gut. And I kind of look around the room and I'm thinking, okay, maybe i <laughs>
3: It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Martin Black, I want to thank you so much for <laughs> taking the time to talk to us on the Horse Talk Show. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, We've learned a lot about you and uh, definitely going to follow you. And thank you to the oh, demerics oh, Don't
5: believe everything you hear, and only half of what you see. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Martin Black here at the home of Jackie and Nick Demerick. Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Thank you to our presenting sponsors of this half of the show, Palm Chevrolet and Larson Hay. Also, thank you to our supporting sponsors, Equine Therapy International, Nirvana Medical Spa, Equine Performance in Innovative Center, and Summit Joint Performance.
0: Hi, I'm Alan Davies with Equine Therapy International. Today we're at Engineered Equine Performance celebrating the new saltwater chilled treadmill. This particular chilled equine saltwater treadmill is a game changer. As you can see, the finest materials are used, the filtration system, coarse, fine filtration, no chemicals, we use UV, ozone, combination of filtration to keep the highest water chemistry standards. Being a saltwater unit, only the finest stainless steel and materials are used. That's important when it comes to longevity and cost of service over the life of the unit. This unit also has integrated massage jets with fine bubbles and coarse air bubbles for the therapy. The control system on this is Siemens industrial grade, top of the line technology, straight from Germany, but also serviceable here in the US.
1: This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints, and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance.
2: Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show.
3: I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show, and I am here with Jennifer Ireland and Dr. Alberto Ruland from the Equine Performance and Innovative Center. We call it epic because it's epic, and this story is certainly epic. We're talking about Tough. Um, the foal had a very difficult start. Uh, when we finished up the last segment about this, we were just talking about walking him around the hole. It was actually prepared for him to be euthanized. So uh, Jennifer's been telling us the story, and I'm going to let her carry on right where we left off. Jennifer.
6: So um, the phone call to this uh, this lady, and I don't really know what her role is, but that really made a difference. I, and so the other vet was standing there, and she's like, "What are they going to do?" Because she's prepared to, you know, do it. And I said, "I'm not doing it because." I've had to put horses to sleep before, and although it was hard, I knew it was right. But there was something that kept telling me, "I don't feel right about this. I don't feel like it's done." And it could have been an emotional thing, but I don't think so because I've been through this before. Well,
3: because you're a medical professional too, you really understand the difference between, you know, a horse that has a chance and one that doesn't, and you know when a horse is suffering, you know it as painful as it is, you know when it's time right. and you didn't feel that. So as a medical professional, I feel like that's probably even more um, likely to be the professional choice rather than emotions, even though clearly you were emotionally attached, right?
6: Yes, absolutely. And the and the biggest thing is I had been over at Epic when I first, in March for another thing and just had a tour of the place. I didn't, and I had met Dr. Roland but I didn't really know anything beyond that. I knew he had a hyperbaric chamber. But Dr. Marsh at Equine Sports Medicine, uh, or Equine, yeah, I think it's Equine Sports Medicine Clinic in, in Weatherford, Texas. I called him. He said, "Get that baby in the hyperbaric chamber." I said, "I'm going to call Dr. Rolan over at Epic and see if he thinks he can help him." Well, he called me back and he's like, "Get him over here by five. We're firing up the chamber now." So I was panicking. I'm like, "I got to get, get him over there. I got to get him over there." This is like three o'clock in the afternoon hauled all over there. I actually hauled my trailer without lights, <laughs> but I didn't <laughs> care. I was getting him to the clinic <laughs> and uh, loaded him up and, and got him there. And they're um, the most amazing crew. And they started right away. He was in that chamber within 30 minutes. And that was just the beginning of this. And I, I think maybe my medical background allowed me to think think outside the box instead of just saying, this is it. You know, there's no hope. I, I just think that helped me. And I, I hope that this story will help somebody else that maybe feels like they're at the end of the rope and they, there's no alternative because there may be, and he is the true story of don't give up if you don't want to yet. So until they say there's nothing else, of course, they did tell me that and here he is. <laughs> He's eight months old now.
3: So. Dr. Ryan, I'm going to pass you over the important microphone here and let you tell us uh, tell us your story with uh, with Tuff.
2: So when Tuff uh, arrived at our place, or right from the call, um, we started gathering all the data and getting all the information, and then we get start getting the blood work results and to be. 100 percent honest when we started when our team started reviewing all the results we were not sure what we were getting into it was pretty remarkable at the point he arrived the creatinine was already 9.5 and he was septic right his, it was weak his legs were very weak like jennifer said he couldn't barely walk but he would still get up a nurse. He had that fire on him. And Jennifer had this gut feeling, like purely a God mom's feeling, plus obviously her medical background. And she just asked us to please try, right? So we were trying to keep our hopes up, but we were going to, we were going to take it hour by hour and see where, we, where we're going to be. So the first thing that we know is that any horse that came in that situation or in the patient will need oxygen oxygen is just a, a beautiful thing <laughs> and with the hyperbetic chamber we are providing 100 oxygen at high at, uh, at high pressure so the oxygen will definitely penetrate what we didn't know on top of is okay that how is that going to help his kidney failure we knew we were going to make him feel better but there is no we, we have no research data. There's no scientific data that prove the hyperbaric chamber helps with kidney failure, zero at all. And we tell that to Jennifer and say, we, we just don't have any scientific data to, to prove it. The horse has been receiving what the science actually says it should get up to now. He, hasn't, he has received everything by the book. So we had to think outside the book outside the box because he was actually treated well his body was just not responding so then after the first hyperbaric just like many other patients they they get a lot of energy out of that because they actually have oxygen right so he came out of the hyperbaric and he went back to nursing and then after that he also developed swelling in the hocks and that was another concern that happens with septic folds right because they can get septic joints so that then we get another complication with him so we get in the hogs, we clean the hogs, we flush the all the bacteria and all, everything all the um, all the bacteria in the hog and we go back in the chamber and he keeps getting a little bit healthier and one thing that we know about the chamber is that it actually makes the antibiotics work better oh. one thing another thing that the chamber does is that it actually, after a certain amount of chamber treatment, it increases the stem cell release into the horses. So there's some beautiful research on people where the hyperbaric chamber stimulates stem cell production. So just based on those two facts that we knew, and Jennifer's gut feeling to keep, to keep going, we just kept going. And every treatment that we did, he got a little better. We did have setbacks, no question about it. We had yeah. setbacks, we had a, a, more joints, Got infected, and I would say that probably ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, an owner would have just say, "Yeah, I, I can't handle anymore," because it's not just the, it's the the emotional distress that she was going every time she got a bad news. I lived, <laughs> like,
6: in I lived, in and- I lived and died by <laughs> lab work. Like, okay, what's what's the creatinine today? Well, it's great. I'm like, and the next day. Well, it went back up. I'm like, Ugh. and it was like the creatinine was going like this at first. I mean, we got a great drop, and then it was like, like, oh no, I know. And then Mummy, who you know works with him and, and does, she's amazing. Um, she says, well, I, I kind of quit telling you a little bit. You were so stressed, and I was traveling because there was no work. I had to go to Houston to find work at this point because of COVID. And so I was in Houston, got COVID myself, and then had to stay away. And just those guys took care of him like they were, they love him so much. Like
3: he was theirs. Well, let me just say, (laughs) part of his
6: treatment plan on the thing said all his antibiotics, his fluids. And then every day it said hugs and kisses. And they had to check off that somebody gave him hugs and kisses. It was on his treatment plan. Yeah, I was like, what? (laughs) 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 So just Uh, a little... Adding adding
2: that in. Perfect. So basically we just kept going on a little bit of science that we have the hyperbaric will stimulate stem cell production and it makes antibiotics work better. So we kept going, we had our setbacks, we have our it was a little bit of a roller coaster. We took it hour by hour. And probably in the next segment, then I'll tell you a little bit more on how we made
6: it. Perfect.
3: (laughs) And then he 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 just joined in to comment on how much he likes hugs and kisses. Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Make sure you tune in for the rest of this fantastic story about Tough. That's it. What a great show it's been. Whether you're horsing around in O'Calamarian County, Florida, the horse capital of the world or not, happy horsing around until the same time next week. Don't forget to check in and watch Horse Talk Show.